everyone, and welcome to another episode of My Weird Little Podcast. Um, I'm Tia. I'm here all the time. It's my podcast. Um, there's Pat. He's always listening. I mean that in the creepiest way possible. Uh, <laughs> um, and today, today I'm bringing you a story of, of course I am. Um, that's what the podcast is about. Uh, today I'm bringing you a story about the Lovelock Giants. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this. Have you? Do you know what this is? Um, I very little. I've heard very little, but I know I know of them. Mm. So this okay. So uh, this has to do with the Paiute tribe, and so we live. So we we are in Las Vegas uh, most of the time. We live here, <laughs> um, and if you are from Las Vegas, you either know that the Paiute tribe is the indigenous tribe of this area. Uh, or you at least know about their dispensaries that they own. Um, so you should know that a little bit. But I didn't know like anything really about the Paiutes whatsoever. So I did a little bit of research into that. And uh, this is really about them as a people. So, um, so I'm really excited to learn about that. Because mostly what we learn about Las Vegas history wise is like Bugsy Siegel and the mob and Steve Wynn. And that's like, yes, that is part of what made this city, you know, wealthy and what made this city a hub, you know, for entertainment. You know, it is also, you know, a much later history, you know, and the history of Las Vegas goes back much further than 1905, which is quote unquote, when Las Vegas was founded, even though it's not exactly um, correct. Um, 1905 is when Helen Stewart uh, auctioned off her land to William Clark of Clark County. Eventually that site became the Union Plaza Railroad Depot. And nowadays it is the Plaza Hotel and Casino um, with a railroad still behind it. But uh, most people know from that point on and Honestly, when I give my tours at my job, that is the history where we begin our history. But our history of Las Vegas, obviously, is much older than that. Like, the whole world is older than that. You know, history doesn't start when the white people discover the area. <laughs> you know, history starts much further than that. There's probably people who lived there before uh, and before the people there, there were animals and before the animals, there was, you know, ice and, you know, yeah, this I, I does go back. Be, What's that? Sorry, I was just saying, I think it should be more properly be like recorded history, I guess. Yeah, right. but recorded history doesn't necessarily start either with, you know, with white people you know uh oh no i'm just saying like written, written down you know like that yeah you're, you're, you're totally yeah. right but that's not either that either like the indigenous people did write down their histories you know not a lot of not every tribe had a written language but some actually did um and it's uh actually uh, that's something i'm going to talk about here as well so uh you know what let's get just get into it um 
So uh, Lovelock County is is the county seat of Parishing County, Nevada. So if you if you were to leave from Las Vegas to go to Lovelock, it's going to be about a six or seven hour drive. It is north. It's closer to Reno than it is to us here. Um, but the Paiute tribe occupied a large section of what is now Nevada. Um, uh, so Lovelock, uh, Parishing County, uh, it is in, uh, in Parishing County, Nevada, Lovelock is the only incorporated city. Um, I think we might've explained incorporated versus unincorporated, but that's a, that's a whole story for another time of explaining why what we think is Las Vegas is not an incorporated city versus an incorporated city. That is a very boring talk for another time. So, uh, so uh, the namesake is also on a nearby prison and a Cold War gunnery range. Uh, the area in which the township of Lovelock uh, was to be established first came to prominence as a midpoint on the Humboldt Trail to California. According to an 1849 description of what were then called the Big Meadows, um, which a lot of this area, a lot of people don't realize, was a lush meadow. Uh, Las Vegas especially is what is known as an aquifer. I mean, even though Lovelock is you know, several hours north of here. There's a lot of water under the soil here. The land used to be very cool. Um, obviously, you know, the urban state of the city now has kind of changed that. Uh, and it's 114 degrees outside. And, uh, but Las Vegas means the meadows and most of Nevada, to what I can tell, was very meadowy. So, um, uh, big meadows. Uh, the marsh, for three miles is certainly the liveliest place uh, that one could witness in a lifetime. There is some 250 wagons here all the time, uh, trains going out and others, others coming in and taking their places in a constant order of the day. Uh, taking their places is the constant order of the day. Uh, cattle and mules by the hundreds are surrounding us uh, in the grass to their knees all discoursing sweet music with the grinding of their jaws. So pretty much a bustling city, but still kind of that Wild West vibe, you know. Uh, so uh, a few settlers stopped there to harvest the wild, wild rye. Oh, my God. Wild rye uh, growing in the meadows and, uh, to, and the hay, which they sold. Uh, arriving there from California in 1866, the English settler George Lovelock, which I'm going to assume that's not a coincidence, <laughs> um, bought uh, the squatter's rights for 320 acres. The town's foundation uh, came about with the building of the Central Pacific Railroad uh, through the area in August of 1868. Uh, George Lovelock provided uh, 85 acres for the site, so the depot was therefore named Lovelocks after him and appeared su as such on old maps. So I was right, this wasn't a co coincidence. Um, you know, 
thereafter, he and his mining expertise, uh, he put his mining expertise to work and discovered many valuable loads in the surrounding area, which contributed to enhanced railway traffic. Uh, Lovelock was incorporated as a city in 1917. Uh, while the mining and agriculture acted as the commercial center for the local, uh, the locality, the community thrived on the state's spe- uh, speciality of gambling, uh, with many casinos, three legalized brothels, uh, which is not unlike the city that I live in right now. <laughs> um, so really that's, you know, that is a great, well, not a great way. That is a way very commonly that cities make money, you know, is off of that. There's a lot of money to be exchanged with that. However, all of that is closed now. All of that eventually closed. Um, so there's not really, it's not like here um, anymore. So some 20 miles outside of the town is the Love Lock. Love, love lock. Oh, I'm going to sip my coffee. <laughs> All right, here we go. Podcast, podcast, podcast. Some 20 miles outside of the town is the Love Lock Native Cave, a horseshoe-shaped cave of about 35 feet width and 150 feet length where Northern Paiute Paiute natives uh, anciently deposited a number of duck decoys and other artifacts. So the Paiutes, they were originally like a nomadic tribe. They lived this lifestyle of moving from place to place. Uh, They would follow the animal migration patterns and seasonal food. So they weren't always staying in one area, which would explain why seven hours north of here, seven hours drive north of here is Paiute land as well as what we're on right now. They kind of just roamed the area. Uh, they lived in small independent groups that consisted of a handful or so of different family units. Um, relations among the Paiutes and their Shoshone neighbors uh, were generally peaceful uh, there is no sharp distinct distinction between the Paiutes and the Western Shoshun or Shoshone relations with the Washu or Washo people who are culturally and linguistically very different, uh, but they were not so peaceful to the Washu. So um, these differences in lifestyle and language could be because Northern Paiutes may have moved from a Southern region to Nevada slash California area in which they reside. Uh, They also may have overthrown and destroyed other Indian tribes in order to inhabit their current lands. So uh, the Paiutes uh, were known to be continually at war uh, with other tribes. Uh, But here it says that they were, you know, obviously peaceful with the Shoshone, but not with the Washu. Um, They would be uh, at war with the Klamath tribe of the southwest of them um the uh Achomawi, and i'm so sorry if i'm mispronouncing these names it's kind of my thing to constantly second guess whether or not i'm pronouncing something right uh the achawi south of the klamath were also enemies of the northern paiutes um okay so basically they were somewhat peaceful to the washu 
They were uh, peaceful to the Shoshone, but they were not peaceful to the Klamath or the Acho Maui. Um, and they were known to be constantly at war with the Klamath tribe. Uh, so humans may have inhabited the area between the west and northwest of the United States for over 11,000 years, um, which was a point I was trying to make before is that, you know, we think that history starts when the railroad spike goes in the ground, but that is not true. <laughs> you know, uh, that might be the history of an incorporated place, you know, and how a town, you know, as we know it starts, but these histories of these lands go back much, much further, you know, which is like a point I have brought up before when people kind of talk about how Vegas doesn't have a history. And that comes from like a very shallow, narrow perception of Las Vegas. I would say like 90% of people who visit Las Vegas only go to the strip and they don't visit our museums and they don't visit our historical sites or, you know, the actual mountains and lakes and, uh, you know, parks and uh, preserves that we have uh, out here that can really, like, show you some of the actual history. And in their mind, Vegas started in the 60s and became, you know, like, a place for partying you know but it really is much older than that you know um I also talked about this area a little bit when I talked about all of Oatman Oatman Arizona is not that far from here and uh you know this isn't really a frontier town you know there weren't really frontier settlers but there were settlers that came through here uh as well um especially all of Oatman and her family came through Generally in this area, uh, it's why uh, Brigham Young and the Mormons settled north of here as well uh, is, you know, that's a whole nother story. Listen to that podcast on Hollywood's Haunted. Uh, maybe I'll revisit that one day, but all of Oatman and her story is fascinating uh, as well. Um, so anyways, uh, back to the Paiutes. So people have inhabited pretty much this area for over 11,000 years. Uh, one version of how the Northern Paiutes ca uh, people came to be is that a bird, the Sagan, also known as the Centro Circus, uh, was the only bird that survived a massive flood, which would make sense. You know, it does rain and we get monsoon season here quite a bit. The Sagan made a fire and cared for it until the fire grew bigger and bigger. The water from the flood dried and a man happened. So uh, that actually is kind of a common story of that man came from clay. I've, I've heard that before. Um, the man was called Numuzoho, uh, who was a cannibal. Uh, the cannibals as he and his kind were called, killed the native people, except for a woman who was able to escape. The woman kept herself alive by traveling from place to place in the region, meeting and staying with different, uh, with different characters. Uh, she then found a man living in the mountains whom she married. Uh, they bore four children, two Paiutes and two Pit Rivers. 
uh, one brother and one sister. These two sets of children uh, fought frequently because they were from different tribes. Uh, Their father, uh, who some think he was a wolf, uh, threw them in in the different waters. This caused them to go their separate ways while continuing to fight and quarrel whenever they came in contact with each other again. Thus, the Paiutes were created and their homes established in Nevada, California, and Oregon. So that's that's fascinating. That's mm-hmm. really uh, interesting to think about, you know. Um, but so this idea of cannibalism is a little bit of what I'm going to talk about today. And, you know, um, somewhat frightening to think about. Um, but the Paiutes, they have an oral tradition that they told early white settlers of a race of red-haired white giants uh, who they called barbarians that their ancestors referred to as the Siteka. Uh, the story was written down in 1882 by Sarah Winnemucca Hopkins, uh, daughter of Paiute Indian chief in her book, Life Among the Paiutes, Their Wrongs and Claims. So this is what I was talking about before is that, you know, there is a written history of some of this. A lot of this was an oral tradition, but some of these stories have been written down, you know, and uh, I think we we think about, you know, history being written by the discoverers instead of the, you know, the originals, you know. So, uh, and the the discoverer's interpretation of someone else's story, you know. Um, So these giants were described as being vicious, unfriendly, and cannibalistic. In the story, the Paiutes speak of a great battle that took place, which led to their extermination at a site known as Lovelock Cave. Now, uh, I mentioned Lovelock Cave a little bit. Uh, but it is a uh, it is a cave, uh, northern uh, Northern American architectural site previously known as the Sunset Guano Cave, uh, Horseshoe Cave, and Loud Site Eighteen. So Lovelock Cave is a Northern American archeo- archaeological site previously known as Sunset Guano Cave, Horseshoe Cave, and Loud Site Eighteen. Uh, Lovelock Cave is one of the most important classic sites of the Great Basin region because of the conditions of the cave are conductive to the preservation of organic and inorganic material. So basically there's, you know, like I'm going to mention in a bit, there is bat poop, you know, which uh, probably has a lot of scientific value, but also there (laughs) are... Um. Yeah. Uh, probably. I have no idea. I would imagine. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Maybe. I would yeah. imagine. You know. <laughs> you know how how uh, the animals. You know what they eat, what they do, that type of thing. You know, which has probably built up over the years, so you could dig deep into it and and you know know some information about you know what the land was like. You know, years back. You know. Uh, I'm assuming. <laughs> And inorganic material, which, you know, would be the artifacts that they would find in the cave, uh, like the duck decoys that I mentioned earlier. Uh, The cave was used as like a cache for these traveling 
um, uh, Paiutes, they would store things they would need there and come back to it uh, as they traveled around. So weapons um, and, you know, whatever they would need, tools, weapons, things like that. Uh, The cave has been placed on the National Register of Historic Places. Uh, That happened May 24th, 1984. So uh, the Paiutes describe the Setika as vicious, unapproachable people that killed and ate their captives and told early settlers that after years of warfare, all the tribes in the area joined together to rid themselves of the giants. Uh, The fleeing giants took refuge in Lovelock Cage and refused to leave despite demands that they had come out and uh, that they come out and fight. So their pursuers filled the entrance of the cave with brush and then set it on fire to bid and uh, in a bid to force the giants to come out. The coalition of the tribes proceeded to shoot arrows at them while starting a large fire at the mouth of the cave. The smoke drove out a few who died in a hail of arrows, uh, while the rest were either burned alive or asphyxiated. Uh, Over time, the entrance of the cave would collapse, leaving it accessible only to bats and cut off from human contact. So, yeah. So in 1886... John T. Reed, who was a mining engineer, uh, was told about the cave by uh, the Paiutes or, you know, indigenous people he came across. Uh, They were told, he was told of uh, the red-haired cannibals. And, you know, when he went to the cave, he only found tons and tons of guano, piles of bat poop. And so there was no, like, that's no, like, weapons that they used or anything no they were there they were just probably under uh oh okay okay damn jeez bat poop (laughs) so uh reed was unsuccessful in getting an archaeological dig uh started at that time you know probably because he didn't really find anything that seemed of historical value um uh, so in 1911, two miners, David Pugh and James Hart, uh, were hired to mine for bat guano from the Lovelock Cave to be used as fertilizer. Uh, they removed a layer of guano estimated to be three to six feet deep and weighing uh, 250 tons. You know. Whoa. Yeah, that's a lot of poop. Um, <laughs> you know, but that's a lot of bats over a long period of time. Okay, you can't just judge the bats; they're not like just diarrhea bats, you know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's built up over time. You know, and that's the reason why they're there. So is to get that yeah. stuff. So it's not like it's you know not it shouldn't have been a big surprise or anything. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the guano was dug from the upper uh, cave deposits. Uh, screened on the hillside outside of the cave and shipped to a fertilizer company in San Francisco. Uh, They began to uncover artifacts from the indigenous people in the heap outside of the cave. Uh, Only the most most interesting artifacts were saved, Uh, but the cave proved to be plentiful of these these items 
and the excavation uh, had to cease. So they promptly turned up bones, baskets, weapons, tools, duck decoys, various other artifacts, and what they could describe as a six foot six mummy. Um, James H. Hart, uh, one of the miners, wrote that the mummy found in the north central part of the cave about uh, four feet down had hair that was distinctly red. Uh, Alfred Krober, founder of the University of California Anthropology Department, was contacted by Hart and Pew uh, when they reported finding prehistoric artifacts. Uh, this spurred the first archaeological dig of Lovelock in 1912, uh, led by L.L. Loud. I love that. L.L. Loud. Uh, I love there's like three L's. Lala loud. Um, all right, I've had too much coffee. Uh, LL loud. Also one of the university, uh, also of the University of California. Uh, the second dig took place in 1924, and after finishing the excavations, Loud co collaborated on a report that was published in 1929. What Loud found was nothing short of amazing. Approximately 10,000 archaeological specimens were uncovered including tools bones baskets and weapons like i said um not all the mummies were preserved uh one of the best specimens reportedly was boiled and destroyed by a local fraternal lodge that wanted a skeleton for initiation purposes now that God damn. Yeah, now that might sound weird, but we did do a whole episode on Hollywood's Haunted, the podcast about the Oddfellows, um, which if you haven't heard of them, well, maybe I'll do a podcast on them and you will hear about them or listen to that podcast. You know, uh, it's probably on the same place you're listening to this podcast. Um, but the Oddfellows uh, still very much exist. We were actually in Denver uh, last year and came across an odd fellows place that very uh very right. much advertised on the outside that they were an odd fellows um lodge mm -hmm. uh but yeah and then there's like there's this goth bar out here in vegas called odd fellows that is definitely uh definitely a reference to that right um, you know, oh, and then at the spooky place that we we worked at that we the haunted place that shall not be named had a whole room dedicated to the odd fellows, which was the room that I loved the most, actually, uh, from its artifacts. I didn't like the room because the automated voice that took away from us doing our jobs, but you know <laughs> that is a whole nother, uh cup of tea that we will stir at, at some point. So uh yeah. Da, 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 da. Where was I? Um, so, uh, da, 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 da. so yeah. Uh, one of the skeletons was destroyed because of a frat, and uh, so more studies follow followed, including radiocarbon dating that showed that the cave was occupied from about 2000 BC to 900 AD. Uh, today's anthropologist called the people who lived in the area the Lovelock culture, uh, with the period lasting some 3,000 3, years. Um, many archaeologists believe that the Lovelock culture was replaced by the northern Paiutes. So, 
There has been some debate as to the veracity of the claims made regarding the Lovelock Giants. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so, <laughs> like I told you during our during our break, uh, you know, we did pause at some point in this. You won't know because we edited it. Uh, we That's did some coffee and you were like, this is interesting. And I was like, uh, you know, it's going to, I'm going to get to the end of it and be like, none of this is true. Um, so, uh, there was some debate to the veracity of the claims made regarding the Lovelock Giants. During the initial excavation, there were reports of mummified remains being found of two red-haired giants, one female at six, five, six feet, five inches, which is tall, considering that people back in the day were not very tall. Right. And the other, a male over eight feet, which is um, objectively tall. Huge, yeah. <laughs> However, no such evidence remains. So these skeletons may have existed, but they do not exist anymore. Uh, skeptics claim that the chemical staining by Earth after burial was a likely reason why the mummified remains had red hair instead of black. Uh, most of the, uh, uh, instead of black here, like most of the indigenous people in the area. Um, uh, a study done at the University of Nevada indicates the giants were about six feet tall, not up to eight feet tall, which is still fairly tall, I guess. I'm five two, <laughs> you know, <laughs> everyone's tall to me. Um, uh, so others, uh, to others, the uncovering of a 15-inch sandal uh, at the Lovelock Cave is proof enough that the Paiute's tale is real. In an article published by the Nevada Review Miner uh, in 1931, in February and June of that same year, it is reported that two very large skeletons were found in the Humboldt Dry Lake bed near Lovelock. Uh, one of the Lovelock skeletons was reported to have measured eight, uh, 8.5 feet tall and was later described as having been wrapped in a gum-covered fabric similar to Egyptian mummies. Uh, the mm -hmm. other, supposedly nearly 10 feet uh, long, uh, saw some of the other evidence uh, for the Lovelock giants included a set of images showing uh, a handprint, uh, more than double the size of a normal man's hand, imprinted on stone a stone boulder in the cave. So, take for that what you will from that story. Um, you know, it is a legend. It is something that was told and passed down, you know, and like anything like did the Paiutes actually originate from a bird you know were these actual cannibals were they giants or were they just really tall people you know um you know you can really take take that one way or another you know you decide what you want to believe if you go to the cave today it is open to the public it is free to visit it uh you can go inside of the caves uh, when you go inside of the caves, you can see ash covering the walls as if there was a fire at the entrance of the cave. <clears throat> so that is the story of the Lovelock Giants. That is all I have for you, information-wise. 
what is your yeah, that's, that's really that's really interesting um I, I was gonna tell you earlier but yeah i wanted to do it on the podcast but um it kind of sounds like um like a group of vikings you know oh my gosh i forgot to even keep in the <laughs> this whole part of the story uh what? yes it does so <laughs> The cannibals were also the Sateka means tool eaters. Tool is uh like this plant that like this reed plant that they used to that came out of the lakes and stuff. Um and uh they believe that these uh people came in their uh rafts made of tool from another land, you know. Uh, so they came on boats from somewhere else uh, mm. across the lakes is what most people say, but I totally forgot to even mention that. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. crazy. They would say that, you know. Uh, I mean, large red haired people like because like Vikings, um, you know, to nowadays standards, you know, like there's 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 large people, large, <laughs> you know, like people so it's like kind of different but like back then like you said people were so much smaller that seeing somebody like you know that six feet you know that is six feet you know or something with red hair and vikings were you know i mean i mean throughout history they're known to be kind of barbaric in their ways of taking over other cultures and land in different scenarios you know so like seeing that was probably scary as hell you know and that that would induce the legend of a giant too you know seeing these people maybe they weren't cannibals but maybe they were extremely vicious you know yeah but Um, yeah coming across in boats yeah they were master craftsmen with boats and that's why they were so good at you know traveling at you know such fast speeds that's crazy yeah uh that's interesting that you said i totally forgot about that i don't know why i didn't add that in um you know because i put these together uh over the course of a few days on little uh caffeine or any real you know education towards this uh whatsoever (laughs) like I have a theater background uh I really should not be educating humans but you know (laughs) here we are here we are um so yeah Yeah, that's that's an interesting point who knows like who really knows um, if anybody out there does know, you know how to contact me. Uh, so like, share, subscribe. Please email me any thoughts at uh, myweirdlittlepodcast at gmail.com. You can find my weird little podcast on Instagram, uh, although I should post there more often. Best way to contact me is through my personal Facebook or through my TikTok, which is at my weird little podcast. Uh, which I do TikToks on every single one of these episodes. If you want updates, you know, and stuff like that, uh, I'll probably be posting that on TikTok. Um, So yeah, I'm a little more active there because I'm addicted and that's okay. Uh, So if you want to listen to my sister podcast, uh, Hollywood's Haunted the Podcast, uh, which is also hhthepodcast at gmail.com. But either way, uh, you can get a hold of me somehow. Find me. Do not actually find me in real life, though. <laughs> Please don't stalk me. Uh, have a good day. Drink coffee. 
drink water, stay hydrated, and stay spooky, everyone. Mm-hmm.